Hi there, and welcome to Sip Sip Hooray, the podcast where we aim to make wine fun, we keep it real and down to earth, and there's nothing that we like better than meeting interesting people who are making their mark in the wine world. We are lucky to have just such a guest with us today. Her name is Julia Coney, and I think you're going to enjoy getting to know her. We are the two Marys who like to eat, drink, and be merry. I'm Mary Babbitt. I'm the other Mary, Mary Orlin, and we are so thrilled Julia Coney has found time in her super busy schedule to join us. Um, Julia and I met two years ago as fellows at the Professional Wine Writer Symposium in Napa Valley at Meadowood. And um, when we discovered we had a mutual love of perfume, we really hit it off. And um, Julia's career is so interesting. She worked in the beauty field, beauty space. She had a blog called All About the Pretty. She's lived in Paris. And she loves champagne more than anybody else I know. Um, so, But she's also had such an amazing career in the short time that she's been in the wine industry, and she is truly making a difference, bringing attention to diversity issues, to um, making sure that all voices are heard, that all people are lifted up and have an opportunity in the wine world. So we are going to have an awesome discussion. And Julia, thanks for joining us. Welcome to Sip Sip Hooray. Thank you for having me. We are really delighted to have you with us today. And I thought it would be a fun place to start with something I read on your Instagram where you say, blessed to be a blessing. Tell us about that, where you got that and how that that um, expression helps direct your life. Well, I heard that saying all my life. My, that was the saying my mother, who is no longer with us, she was a teacher. And it was like a family saying, like, you're not just here to work and do your own thing. You're here to help someone else. And you're, we are fortunate to have been blessed to have existed in this world, have a healthy life. So you take that. And so with that, you're blessed to be a blessing, whatever that means for you. I love it. Words to live by. Absolutely. So Julia, um, you have been super busy since I met you. And one of the <laughs> major things that you have done in the past year is you started Black Wine Professionals. So can you tell us about that and why you, this, what inspired you to start that? Well, I started Black Wine Professionals in June of 2020 after the killing of George Floyd. And honestly, I think somewhere in my sensory perception, it was in the back of my mind for years working in the industry, being told that from different wine, wine makers, wine PR, wine marketers, that they just didn't know many black wine professionals in the business. And it was on the day that it was Blackout Tuesday. And I really felt like there was so much silence from the wine industry. And even a couple of days afterwards, not speaking about it and not realizing the problem with systemic racism in, the, in this country and realizing that wine is an industry and it has issues and I was I just been talking about it for tw since 2018 for two straight years about there's a problem we're missing consumers we're missing other professionals having people tell me they left the business because they just couldn't stand the racism and it was just it was just a heartfelt I did not think that when I did that Instagram live I was going to create something it wasn't until I realized in the middle of the night that I couldn't sleep so many people that I know are often overlooked. So many people kept getting accesses to media trips and trade trips and distributor trips and conferences. And I would be sometimes the only black person or on these trips, there would be no black people, but it would be people who had consistently gone every month on a fully you know, paid for trip and they didn't deserve it. Mm -hmm. And there is yeah. enough to go around. And that's what I, my, my talk was, there's enough to go around. It wasn't like I needed to be the only person, but I've just watched so much happen. And I just knew I had it to speak loudly again. And so that's where Black Wine Professionals was born out of. Well, I can remember you telling me 
stories about when you go to professional tastings and often being the only African-American person in the room, but the way that you were often treated that you would get a much smaller pour than somebody else standing next to you at the same table, or what? people would mistake you for the help and ask you, oh, where can I get water? Where's the bathroom? I mean, I mean things that, oh my you know, Mary and I have had different experiences. I mean, being women, we've mm -hmm. faced some discrimination as well, but not to the extent that our brothers and sisters in the, uh, you know, the um, BIPOC community have faced. And, you know, so I'd like, you know, how do we have a discussion about bridging those differences and making sure that those types of things don't happen? Well, I always like to say, if you see something, say something. A lot mm -hmm. of the incidents that happened to me, there were people standing around. There were people who heard it. There were people and didn't speak, didn't up. speak up. So mm -hmm. when I'm at a tasting and the winemaker is pouring wine for a, a gentleman, and when mm -hmm. I get to the table, tell me the wine is empty. The bottle oh. is empty. And the other gentleman is just standing there. And I walk away and the gentleman pulls the bottle back out. Oh, that no. happened to me on more than one occasion. And oh, it is having, having to say something. Understanding that it is uncomfortable. But it's not, you know, there's creating a safe space. But there's also having a brave space. And we need brave people. We need brave people to stand up. And it goes to the same if we see someone speaking inappropriately to a younger woman, right? At a tasting, mm -hmm. at one of these, it's very highly inappropriate. It's us as older women to stand up and say something and say that, no, you can't say that, that's wrong. And I understand that is very hard to do because it can feel like you're being nosy, right? You're being pushy. But I guarantee you, when you say it, the person who is on that receiving end really will thank you because sometimes other people don't have a voice to speak for themselves. Oh, I love that, Julia. And thank you for reminding us to be brave. It is not enough to, to silently witness something. You got to step in and step up. Yes. Um, what, you know, speaking of racial equity, the wine world has traditionally been so very, very white. Um, what are like, I mean, this is quite a mountain to climb, but what are some of the, the changes we need to see to try to bring more equity to um, this industry? Well, I mean, it also too depends on where you live, right? Like mm -hmm. I've gone to California wine country and I've been in those tasting rooms where, you know, I walk in, I want to talk to, you know, taste the wine and I've been told, oh, do you know what aeration is? While the person is aerating my glass, mind you, they pour the wine, they take my glass, they aerate my glass, and I just stand there and just wait until they're done and go, would you do that to any other person? Mm -hmm. yeah. Would you do that? So it is not just like the heads of companies, it's also the staff, the tasting room staff at some of these wineries. You know, you see, a, you, everyone knows, Wine is, 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 a, is an alcoholic product. After a while, a lot of us get loud. Doesn't have anything to do with race. We're having a good time. <laughs> exactly. We're having a great time. Right. But usually mm -hmm. it's the people who are people of color that they're told to be quiet, that they're told to be silent. You're speaking too loud. You're, and no one's realizing that everybody's speaking loud. Yes, and some groups louder than some of the... Um... People of color. People of color, <laughs> exactly. But but no one ever tells me that. That's true. That's very true. So yeah, it's really. But you know, I I'm hoping that all the awareness on this, the spotlight, is making mm -hmm. people pay attention more, and hopefully this will bring about some much needed change. I think it's bringing attention. I think the change is coming. The change is also slow. Mm -hmm. And especially in an industry that likes to move at a snail's pace. So true. So on all things. So true. <laughs> so we're yeah. just so on true. All so true. And it's, you know, with technology changing so rapidly and so quickly, and technology is where we're capturing a lot of things as well. 
the industry has to move with that. Mm-hmm. They have to move that regarding diversity. They have to move move with that regarding younger consumers. They have to move that with like also sales. Like how, like at the, you know, we talk about wine is fun, but it's still a business, right? Mm-hmm. And how much more money could you make by also being uncomfortable in breaking out in different arenas, how to appeal to young people, how to appeal to people of a certain age with discretionary income, as well as maintaining your baby baby boomers who actually created the business. Well, what's always baffled me is why does the wine industry ignore certain parts of the population instead of trying to bring them into the tent and introduce them to wine? Why do they ignore the Hispanic market, the black market? Um, it just didn't make sense to me. Well, it's as if the, the linkage of luxury equals white, which isn't fair. Yes. And it's, you know, <laughs> exactly. time to change that. Luxury is seen, and when we look at the the definition of luxury, is is not money. The luxury is in the light, is a, is a lifestyle you create for yourself. It's luxurious to, to sleep eight hours. That's a luxury, mm-hmm, right? right? And mm-hmm. you're not sleeping eight hours. But I all I like to say that the industry, and it goes back to what you said, Mary, luxury and people of color are not the same unless people of color are there to entertain you. Oh. Luxury no. is an yeah. athlete. Yeah. Luxury is a celebrity. Mm-hmm. Luxury is not the person with the nine to five job mm-hmm. who every Friday just wants to try a different wine and wants to engage and wants to learn. Maybe they're they not into moving into it as a business, but they know what they want to drink and they know what they want to eat. And we're also, if you look at the word luxury of wine, as it relates to cuisine. And I've been speaking a lot about this. If you're going to the Latina culture, you have to talk about tacos and tortillas and not the fancy tacos that cost a lot of money. Mm -hmm. We're talking what people eat in their home, about seasonings like sofrito. If we're talking about Black people, we never see cuisine. We see Southern food co-opted by a lot of white chefs, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but we never see that paired with wine. It's never, those cuisines are never paired with wine, right? Mm -hmm. We talk about wine from this European aesthetic of food. And also we have to remember a lot of the people who talk about wine or write about wine in different places, or even the, you know, before the pandemic, the sums that sold the wine, a lot of them had never been to Europe. So they're pulling things out of a textbook that doesn't relate to what we're doing. (laughs) That's interesting. That works. You know, if you're at a fine dining French restaurant, yes, those wines Mm -hmm. go with that. But if you're at in and out too, I don't know, really, you know, Cab Franc can go with that as well. But we're not talking about Cab Franc and in and out <laughs> That's true. Because the, because the burger didn't cost $35. Mm-hmm. But we should be talking about that. But we should be talking about and, that. And it's also true. I have many friends who are Asian, of Asian background and I love mm-hmm. Asian food. And, you know, they're really... You know, you don't see those flavors like shiso leaf and Thai basil and all these kefir limes. Yeah, kefir <laughs> and and Sichuan peppercorns. I mean, you don't really mm-hmm. see people doing wine pairings with those flavors, but they're so predominant in those cuisines. And those cuisines are, I mean, just think about the Chinese cuisine. There's like 35 regions in China and they all have specialty flavors and, you know, wine can work with them, but Mm -hmm. who's making a market? Yeah, (laughs) exactly. You know, Julia, you had on your Instagram the other day, um, a picture of you wearing a t-shirt that said, have you thanked a black woman today? Yes. And, you know, and reading the comments and everything and what you wrote then, you uh, expressed being tired, tired of too many asks and maybe tired of having to carry the burden of, oh, uh, educating people and mm-hmm. awakening people. Can you talk to us about that? And, um, you know, uh, you are moving the needle, but that's a, that's a big ask of you on a daily basis. Yes. I mean, there, in there is not a day that I don't get hundreds of direct messages and emails pointing out racist behavior on the internet. Mm-hmm. I mean, just one, and you should say something. Mm. <laughs> and, and I'm, you have to say, I already have a dog in the fight. Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, can't spit. The email yeah. asked you to say something. Asked me to say something. Oh, asked me to. And, and a lot of times they're from white people. Mm-hmm. And I'm going, why don't you say something? Yeah. 
because I'm already doing the work. It is, it's like if there is, and the reason why I say that is when, you know, we think about the past election cycle and we're talking about Georgia, right? And we're talking about what Stacey Abrams did, but we're also talking about this new bill that had just passed with the Georgia voting rights. Mm-hmm. Where's the outrage for white people? from white people who should be really going, we need to really talk about this, not just when it's a presidential election, because this is not going to affect all the elections. And then that bill is being passed around all these other states. I just see more black people, more people of color really trying to fight it. I And don't get me wrong, I see white people, but not to the fervor of mm-hmm. what it was when we had the 2016 election compared to the pussy hats. For sure. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> You're right. You're yeah. absolutely right. So the 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 shirt is, and even when people, you know, I've heard celebrities will say, well, you know, like things like, well, Beyonce should do this. Why? Why can't you do it? Like, why do? Why are you calling on someone to do something? Yeah. We each can do something, and that is what our that's the blessed to be a blessing. We each can do something. Everybody can write a letter. Everybody can write an email. Everybody can pick up the phone and call and make a complaint. I think people don't realize they have that power. Well, are you sure they don't realize it or they're saying it's not my fight? Yeah, I think that's more it. That, that can, that can be. Someone else will do it. I don't have to. I'm going to tell Julia to do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm going to email Julia on that. Or people tell me all the, I mean, I get messages like, oh, did you see this? And I'm like, no, because I haven't been on my phone because I was on six Zoom meetings from 10 a.m. until 7. No, I, I didn't mm-hmm. see this. Okay, what are you going to do? Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of all those Zooms, you are super busy. Um, I understand you are studying. You know what? I I don't say busy. What? what do you say? I don't say busy. What do you say? I say I have a full life. Okay. You're, you're a very full life because... You know why? Because the word busy, it, it gets a bad connotation. And I understand why people say that. I have a very full life. And what that full life means, I have a really packed schedule. Mm-hmm. But busy, people say, well, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. And we pinpoint it. To me, it's full. Yeah. I like that. So with your full life, what do you do to take care of yourself? And what do you do to let off steam or just, you know, reach recharge? Okay, so I am a big believer in exercise. I, 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 I practice yoga and I practice Tracy Anderson method. Those two are things I currently need right now in my body before I've like done running and different exercises. So for the past year, those have been the two consistents every single day. I promise myself I can't talk to anybody if I don't take 30 minutes to exercise. Mm-hmm. That's like my golden rule. And I love to read. So I do enjoy I like mystery thrillers. I like any kind of murder suspense, something happened, you know, from childhood and somebody come back. You know, I love all those kind of books. and. One of the things I actually have been doing for relaxation is getting back into watching like beauty YouTube videos, not beauty videos about the makeup. I'm really obsessed with the skincare ones because to me, it's very calming to hear those terms. And so it goes back to something I still enjoy that I'm, you know, I listen to that. And also too, I, I still play around with my fragrances and all that. It makes me very happy. And one of the things I know, like Mary and I talked about it is I'm so happy I can wear fragrance because in the wine world, you can't wear, usually wear fragrances to tastings. And so now I'm like, I'm gonna wear this in the <laughs> I'm gonna wear this to bed. I'm just so happy. I don't have to be around anybody. I don't have to worry about if anybody's not smelling what they should smell in their glass because I have, you know, and I don't wear fragrance when I'm tasting like, you know, those, but it's really nice to be home and throw that yeah, out. Yeah. I, have, I have, you and Mary yes. Orlin have that in common. You're both a, lovers yes. of fragrance. Well, I have been doing the same thing, yes. Julia. I've, you know, I've also been discovering all those skincare and beauty videos on YouTube that I never had time for before. And um, <laughs> I've been doing a lot of Zooms with um, a, a particular fragrance group. And it's almost like an every week thing now, but it's just been a great way to play. And what I have been doing during COVID is, yes, I've gone to my perfume closet, which isn't quite as big as my wine collection, but it's pretty big. And I've been choosing, (laughs) okay, I'll try this, this, and this. And I've been rediscovering scents. And it's like totally reignited that part of my life, which I love. Mm -hmm. 
it's not only that, it's just, it takes your breath, uh, right. mind away. Right. And the reason why I say that is because now we have another mm-hmm. olfactory thing that isn't wine work that is just, okay. And also I think I'm more imagining like, Oh, I, I could be in the fields of Provence. <laughs> lavender. <laughs> so it just makes me think of a, a, a total different thing. Julia, speaking of your full life and, and I love hearing how you, uh, <laughs> unwind a little because I think those are inspiring ideas for everybody right um I'm now you guys Mm -hmm. have piqued my curiosity about these skincare videos I'm missing out on but um (laughs) give us a kind of a a thumbnail of a typical week for you I know you are uh, a writer and you um you have a ton of speaking engagements you as you said a lot of asks so give us kind of a, a a look at what 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 do you have in a typical week on your agenda okay so Sundays, Sundays and Wednesdays, I also work part, part-time in a wine store. So a lot of people like probably don't even realize mm. that. So Sunday mornings are usually my, I call it my facial days. I give myself a facial before I go to the wine store. That's when I do like a triple facial. I also do microdermaplaning on myself, uh, do masks. And then I go to work from 12 to six. Sunday nights are usually the night I'm kind of like figuring out like, the week. And I am not a person that picks clothing based on how I feel. I kind of pick clothing with what I have for the week. And I pull out all the outfits I'm aware of the entire week. I don't like to wake up and think like, how am I feeling? I don't, mm-hmm. I use fragrance for that. I don't use clothing mm-hmm. for that. And so Mondays are, you know, six, you know, 6am I'm, I'm doing a workout between six and seven seven to eight is usually get, and I get fully dressed. Like I do face, I put makeup on, I put clothes on, you know, shower and all that stuff. And I'm usually at my desk, either writing, talking from 9 a.m. sometimes to eight or 9 p.m. Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays. Okay. So what do you do on Wednesdays? On Wednesdays, I kind of catch up with all like the emails that I needed to mm-hmm. really, really go through. Mm-hmm. And then I work at the wine wow. store. From 12. I knew you worked at a wine store and I was wondering if you still <laughs> did it. And it um, brings me to um, the perspective you have on the wine industry is um, more rounded than for many journalists because, you know, I, I haven't worked in the retail space. I, um, so I think it, you have that interaction with, real people who are bu- drinking and buying wine. And so how does that inform what you look for when you are doing stories or you are tasting, or you are visiting wineries? I think of the people who, you know, in um, the wine store I work at is near college. So I think of the young 21 year old junior and they are on a budget. Then I think of the young couple, maybe with the kids and all they're trying to do is buy a buy wine get pizza to go, get takeout, what they can have. I think of the people who, you know, are celebrating something. So for me, I always try to ask them, what are they eating? What are they thinking they want? Trying to pull things out of people. Because sometimes people think they want one thing and they actually don't, but they don't know how to sell it. So I always go, well, think of a place where you would like to visit. Like if you haven't been to Italy, would you like to go to Italy and visit? Yes, but I don't think I can afford Italy. Okay, but what are you trying to, and I like to ask the questions to get to know people because usually someone, we everyone wants to feel heard. And if I can listen to them and ask them what they want to drink, it's always fun for me. Right, right. And how fun for them right, to know that, you know, that you're breaking breaking the ice and making it easy for them to you know that there isn't a price point at which exactly. you're okay to be interested in wine. you know what I mean I hate no that. and I and I tell them I said I can help you from from ten dollars to two hundred you just got to tell me which yeah. one you want <laughs> and usually sometimes they'll say well I don't like white wine and usually when they say that I'm li- I'm, my, I'm like my job is to make you like a white wine I want you to try this go across the street and get this salad have this dressing on it with this exact wine and usually they come back or they'll call the store and say hey I'll be back tomorrow to get another bottle. Oh, that's fun. It's, it's, it's fun, right? It's fun seeing what consumers want to drink because also they come in and they probably read a magazine or they, they heard about a celebrity drinking something and they, they want to just talk to us as well. Right. And it's been the best experience. I'll be four year anniversary is, in, is next month of me working at part time. That's so great. And it's so wonderful to have non-intimidating people helping 
you know, bring wine to, um, to new, to young people, right? To yes, the students. Yes. That's wonderful. Hey, the other thing I wanted to ask you about, you're studying to get um, your champagne certificate certification. Am I right on that? Yes. I take my test uh, August 10th, I think. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so tell me about that process. How are you doing that? Oh, well, it's a studying of like, not just a map of champagne, but all the villages in each of, and there's also a lot of history of the champagne region with the villages for which grapes grow in which village of the, of the Grand Cru, Premier Cru, which ones are used like as finishing grapes. So it's just, it's a manual and it's like suggested like videos that we have to watch is through the Wine Scholar Guild learning the history of champagne, but not only champagne, the process of champagne, mm-hmm. like what kind of presses they use at first, what makes this part, like the Cote de Blanc, so great for Chardonnay. Not just a saying it's a cool climate, but at the elevation, where does the chalk go into the uh, part of the soil? Wow. Yeah. But also they have they have references of champagnes to buy and drink, mm-hmm. so it's fun for That's- me. Of course. <laughs> of course. So Julia, what is it about champagne that draws you in? Okay. So my experience, like I'm like a lot of people, I've had champagne before and it wasn't until I went to champagne in 2016 and I had a pairing lunch at a little small restaurant in Epernay called Combsy. And it was, I think six or seven courses of like snacks. It wasn't like, it was a little bit of escargot, cheese, charcuterie, caviar, and they just paired it with all these champagnes I never heard of, all these grower champagnes. I know what they are now, but also local champagnes, like one-offs that were made that the grower just, him and his friends got together and just decided to make a champagne. And they just sold it at this wine bar. Mm. And the pairing of all these, what I mean, they had a pairing of potato chips and caviar and olives, charcuterie. And it was just so much fun. Yeah. And I was like, this is I, and it was just so just so much joy that I said I want to really understand bubbles and that's when I went down a rabbit hole and I drink a lot of other wine but I drink mainly sparkling a, a bubbly rabbit hole that's my kind of rabbit hole yes because <laughs> the reason why you study the champagne method is the most copied method around the world but is I'm not only drinking champagne I drink sparkling wine I drink cava I drink prosecco I drink pet net Pretty much, if you're gonna bubble it, make it <laughs> nice. Yeah. So, um, when it comes to perfume fragrances, are there mm-hmm. perfumes that you would consider the champagne of perfumes? <sighs> okay, for me, the champagne of perfumes is Roja Dove. Oh yes, hands down, hands down, it's Roja Dove. His tuberose, <laughs> especially. Yes, his tuberose and his uh, amber oud. To me, I, I got engaged in Egypt and oud is one of those scents that is all over Egypt. So anytime I see an oud, even like Barreto makes an oud, I just kind of gravitate towards oud. But Roja Dove makes makes fragrance where people question what it is. They're like, is something, I don't know who made it, but you just smell different. Mm-hmm. Mm. It's great. Have you ever met him? I met, oh, yes, I had a... <laughs> me too. Really... Like really almost an out-of-body experience. I met him at Bergdorf. And the first time I smelled the Amber Oud was I was in Bergdorf and I was passing by to his section and the uh, sales lady had sprayed it on a, on a, like a, some, for someone else. I passed it and started tearing up. <sighs> My friend, Sarah was like, are you okay? I was like, where's that scent? And I went over and the woman says, oh, this is what this is. And she said, why are you crying? And I said, I got engaged in Egypt. And this was the scent that I recognized in the hotel. Oh, that's so And neat. she I, said, I and she told me tearing she said, up because you didn't like it. No, I was tearing up because I loved it. And I couldn't, it just gave me all the feelings that I felt at the hotel. Oh. And she, when I came back <laughs> and she went, oh, well, he'll be here in two weeks. <laughs> and I said, no, I'm in DC, which means I had to catch a train. So I said, okay, I'll be back and get it. And I came, went back two weeks later on the train just to meet him. And when I was telling him the story, I started crying again. Wow. And he autographed the bottle for me. Like he uh. etched it with something. And he was just like, to all the dreams that you found on Night City. Uh. May they continue. And to me, I, just, I still have the bottle. I've, I mean, I've had to buy more bottles since, but... <laughs> That was the that was the one that just made me. Who is he? I need to really research, and 
I had interviewed and studied with Olivier um, Polge and Grasse. So I understood oh, fragrances okay. and flowers. And that's when I was a beauty blogger and I, right. I talked to him and really understand. And that's why to me, wine is like fragrance because that memory just comes back. And when I explain this to some wine people, they like, really? And I'm like, yes, like there is a scent, either like you remember great or bad in, you know, like your mom or your grandmother, something just takes you there. Wine does the same thing. Absolutely. Well, um, I'll ask you this question, but I'll, I'll say this first. Um, there's a wine that makes me cry. It's, um, it's actually, it's not a, a big, you know, fancy wine, but um, there's a winery called Sarah's Vineyard in um, south of San Jose. And I had first gone there at the beginning of my wine career. And um, when the winery was owned by a woman named Marilyn, and she crafted the most beautiful Chardonnays. And I hadn't had it for years until I moved to the area. And um, it took me a while to get down there because I was like, I don't know that it had changed ownership <laughs> and would it be the same? Finally got myself to the tasting room. They poured that estate Chardonnay. I cried because yeah. it brought back all those memories. So I'm wondering what wine has made you cry? Okay. So I honest, every time I get really, really teary when I drink Camus from California. And mm -hmm. the reason why Camus was the first wine where I understood a wine connection in food. Mm -hmm. And this was the late nineties. Cause I grew up in Texas and the attorney I worked for, cause I was a legal assistant. He paired Texas barbecue with Camus and Claude Duvall. And I just remember mine being blown. Even though I studied in France, it didn't matter because in France, everybody drinks wine and they, they're not about whether it pairs. It's just like, you just have wine with lunch you have wine with dinner this was a just where I understood flavors actually work and what it is about the smoke of the barbecue that was the smoke in this wine mm. the smokiness and heating this element of that so Camus is a special place but I will say the last time I cried over wine was 2019 in Champagne drinking Benoit Marguerite Shaman Rosé mm. I don't, nice. I don't know the wine, but, know it, but yeah, it sounds wonderful. It does. I'm going to tell you guys mine. Yes. I'm, I'm yes. A, <laughs> I'll cry for Ridge Montebello any day mm. because I've, my, mm. I, we have four children and we celebrated the birth of each child with um, Ridge Montebello. And um, so that those are just super special wines. We don't have them very often, but when I do, that's like brings back all those happy memories. So isn't that amazing though? Like how we're, we can, we can go from fr fragrance to, 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 you know, farming or agricultural product and it's still the, the movement of, it shows what wine is. Well, mm -hmm. absolutely. But, and, and perfume is also a agricultural product in a way. We yes, just, we don't think of it, but you know, how do we get, how do you get those floral, spicy, Notes. I mean, it's somebody's um, growing those herbs or spices or flowers, and they're mm -hmm. being distilled to make a beautiful fragrance. Yes. <laughs> hey, Julia, you know what I wanted to ask you about? You received, I believe it was the 2020 Visionary Award from Wine Enthusiast. Social Visionary Award from Wine Enthusiast. Social Visionary. Tell me about that and what that meant to you. And um, I mean, what a thrill, huh? Okay. I'm going to try not to cry because it's one of those... When I got nominated, I was like, oh, they, they don't read that. <laughs> it, was just, it was kind of like an out-of-body experience. And oh, then when they called and told me I got it, I just literally went to my knees. And um, because I think I started talking about this issue in 2018 and my mother was living at the time. Mm. And I remember her saying, God has called you for such a time as this. And if you don't say anything, he doesn't bring it back always. He doesn't bring the gifts back. So mm -hmm. he's gifting you this opportunity to make change for the world after you're no longer here. Wow. Good words from mom. <laughs> and she was like, I know it's just grapes but this grape, <laughs> like this, she was like, and she doesn't even drink, right? My mom didn't even drink. She said, I know it's just grapes, but those grapes are changing people's lives. And do you want to be part of the change or not? And if you don't want to be, then shut up. <laughs> just, 
And so in that moment, I just kept thinking, she's right. I, who am I? I, I can't keep, compl- if I'm going to complain, why complain? And no one's listening. Mm-hmm. I just got to step out on faith. And that's what I did. And I am so grateful and thankful. It has been hard. I mean, you know, there, there are, I, I mean, there are wine people who don't want to work with me, who don't want to talk with me, which is fine because I only want to work with the ones who want to work with me and want to work, talk with to the ones who want to talk to me. Wow. So you're still coming up against resistance. Oh, yeah. But guess what? I don't, wow. you can keep resisting. There's so many people who aren't resisting. I go over with the people who aren't resisting. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, le- and yeah. let you get left behind. Exactly. That's so true. Absolutely. Oh, wow. What a great story. Your mother was so wise. Well, you know, it was that time of like, she she paid for my first WSET courses. And she was, you know, she came to visit me in 2015. And I would have been vacillating back and forth. I did not want to do beauty anymore. I just, that was a time, and I say this all the time, that was the inner, you know, the Kardashians were making it very big. Everything I want to write about, everybody, like the ingredients in a product, everybody was like, oh, well, talk about a contour kit. And I'm like, I don't contour my face. I don't want to do that. I don't, I, that's not my makeup look. I get that it is someone's, but it's just not mine. It's not my preference. And I just knew that I wanted to do food and wine. So she was around for me because I had surgery and she came from Louisiana to take care of me. And she was just like, you really don't want to do beauty. You need to figure out this wine thing because there's so much wine in this house. The wine is like telling you to pick me. It's telling you, pick me, pick me. And, you, and you're, and I was just like, oh, it is. She's like, it's as many wines as books, as many fragrances. She said, but when you talk about it and you're reading wine books, like, you know, it's your job and it's not, you might as well make it your job. And that was the catalyst. Her and my husband's support was like, okay. I was like, oh, I'm going to do okay. this. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to take my blog down and start a whole new wine blog. So you had been doing, you'd been a fashion writer before? I was a beauty writer. I started a beauty blog in 2006. I quit my day job in 2010 and I was full time until 2016 when I literally wrote the email to every PR company I worked with and said I was no longer working in beauty. I was going to be a wine journalist. Good for you. You talk about being brave. That's brave, Julia. That's great. And I, I just felt like I applied all these skills to go from blogging to professional beauty writing. I could play, go from beauty writing to wine. Mm-hmm. I was already there. Sure. I mean, it's just, it's mm-hmm. following the passion. And I love the fact that, you know, you already had what you needed to propel you to where you were supposed to go. And you just, and it took, someone else pointing that out to you exactly but I also think you know like I started going to Bordeaux when I was 28 years old by myself and so for years I was going to wine regions all the time as a consumer I just you know you have a vacation it's like friends are like oh let's go on a cruise I'm like okay well if we after the cruise can we stay like four more days in Italy and then we could just bounce over to Tuscany so I had been drinking wine for almost 20 years in a way before I ever decided I wanted to write well it kind of creeps up on you that's kind of what happened to me I I I never (laughs) I never thought wine would ever become a career when I was just going from Atlanta to Napa and, you know, just because I loved wine and I wanted to learn more and more, I never ever imagined it would become a career and that I could get paid to do it. But, um, Mm -hmm. I think, um, and, but what, what, you know, what a great role model for others who are, you know, coming up in the industry and seeing that there's no one way to get into wine. It's, it's a zigzag. It's many paths. It's, I, and, but I think it is sheer determination. I tell people all the time, like, I think we're taught that careers are linear, right? You go to school, you do this, and then this is your career. And like you said, Mary, like, it's a roller coaster. There's loop-de-loops, there's diagonals, there's backing up, there's going forward, there's going, le- like, you, everyone came to wine. Most people I know came to wine in a weird way. Well, as you look at this next year, we've all come through such a rotten year with COVID and everything. Oh, it was rotten. <laughs> Ooh, it was, it was bad. <laughs> no, no, no. no let me tell you. Here's the thing. It was bad and good. Yeah. So there was so much bad about it, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So many people dying, this pandemic, everything. Mm-hmm. People losing their livelihoods so bad. But then from what I look at it is we all became more aware. We all got silent in a way 
to watch something happen bad that happened mm-hmm. to see that we need all need to step up. So yes, it was bad in so many ways, but it was a way that for all of us to get silent in order to be able to now speak on what we should do. That is so true. We all got a little bit more self-aware, I think. We, mm-hmm. we all went a little internal during the year and looked at our lives, looked at ourselves, looked at what was going on around us too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we, mm-hmm. we also had more time to absorb all of that because had we been living our normal lives, running around, doing all the mm-hmm. events, doing all the social life we have, everything, all the demands. But um, now we were kind of stuck at home and, you know, we had more time to actually pay attention to what was going on mm-hmm. around us. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. True. And also, I will say, don't you think we also had time to enjoy the wine we actually had all yes. over the house? <laughs> yeah. oh. oh, absolutely. I've been digging out all, the, I, you know, all these older vintages. I'm like, oh, there's, you know, I've been saving them and all. I'm like, well, shoot, who knows what's going to happen next? I might as well pull out that. <laughs> 2001 and I think the year people put a serious dent in their wine collection (laughs) they did which is great though right yeah because we what what were we holding right that's true just they're just getting old they're just getting old (laughs) right so as you look at the year ahead the year you know Mm -hmm. and hopefully as we continue to move away from COVID and back to of you know a normal life flow what's on the what's on your agenda for this you know this year ahead do you have things you want to accomplish just going to keep doing what you're doing or well I mean the one thing I would definitely want to um, get my certification that is like high on the list you know still yeah still have I'll be saying prayers in August saying prayers still you know I founded all with this black wine professionals and we have gotten people jobs we're hosting master classes I'm hoping the world when we are able to meet to actually create a retreat because some of the wine professionals have never even been to a vineyard. And wow. I will, I know, and I just want to create a retreat in a, a place where we're learning together in a way that actually isn't, you know, where the nerds can feel like nerds, but the fun people like me who wear bright lipstick can also feel not judged. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like, oh, are they serious about wine? You know, make it, make it relaxed and educational because wine is fun, but it's also educational. And to be able to do that. And, you know, I want to see my friends. I want to see my wine friends. I want to break bread and have dinner, but I don't want to go back to the old state way of how we presented wine. I like this new way. I, I agree with you. I, I, I'm really wondering what it looks like, you know, are we going to have these big trade tastings or these, mm-hmm. you know, is that going to happen? I don't know that I'd feel comfortable going back to that. Exactly. Um, yeah. So one thing that you have started doing, and I don't know when you got on to this platform, but Clubhouse, you host a, <laughs> you host a weekly wind down on Fridays mm-hmm. on Clubhouse. So tell us about that. Well, in October, a friend invited me to join Clubhouse and I was like, okay, what's this? And when I really, it's, you know, she sent the invite to us like a Thursday and that Friday like, night, I just realized I, I've been in a bunch of like listening to different people talk about different things from books to mindfulness, tech startups, just having like, I was listening to one where there were celebrities. It was like Tiffany Haddish and Gail King and Dr. Henry Louis Gates. And they were discussing a book. And I was thinking, where in the world will you ever be able to be a list of fly on the wall, right? That's what technically when you're in the audience of Clubhouse, you're a fly on the wall listening. And I just thought, okay, I don't know one about wine that's not, you know, really where I want to be. Like, I want to talk about wine and make it fun. Mm-hmm. So I said, I don't want to do it under Black Wine Professional because that's more like a business thing. I want to do it. And she was just like, yeah, because every time you talk about wine, all I can think of is like, you do it for the love of wine. And so that's why we named the Clubhouse Room for the love of wine. So I go in and it's a wind down. I want people to tell me what they're drinking. We're talking about different. And so what I do is make a theme, right? There's a theme every month. You don't have to drink the wine, but like champagne. What are you drinking? What champagne are you drinking? And what I do is also I create a list of every wine that is mentioned by someone that comes to the stage. Not you just said, yeah, you said that. And I was amazed by that. <laughs> and we type it in. And we, because some, if you're, if you're talking about a wine, like if I say Ridge Monticello, right? Yeah. 
Montebello. Montebello, yeah. sorry. Montebello. Most people who are consumers don't know what Ridge is. But if I mm-hmm. can mention it and hyperlink it in this document, then they can go click and oh. see it. So smart. I love that. Because it, it just brings people, because people were like stopping, like, what wine? I said, and I know people mm-hmm. are asking what wine we're drinking. And so I we hyperlink everything so people on their own could just go, hey. Awesome. Yeah. That's so fun. So how can people participate in that clubhouse? I don't know about this. So you basically just go to clubhouse and go uh, follow for the love of wine club. If you're on clubhouse, just f- search for mm-hmm. literally for the love of wine and a pop up as a club, just join and you'll get a ping when, you know, is uh, follow the club. You just get a ping when it's time to join. Mary Babbitt, I will invite you. Yes. <laughs> can be in the clubhouse. clubhouse is fun. <laughs> yes. It's a lot of fun talks on there. I mean, I know Christina Rasmussen out of London who runs Little Wine, like she's really into biodynamic and uh, regenerative agriculture. And she has talks on regenerative agriculture winemaking. Mm-hmm. And it's a fascinating conversation because like you'll have, you'll have Dr. Jamie Good on the conversation, you oh, have wow. Raj Parr, you have Jay, you, and people, and I like to listen to those because sometimes they're like, bring Julia to the stage. And I'm like, no, I just want right? to <laughs> But it, it's kind of the, the new thing in social media. Well, yes certainly need to explore it. I think you would like it. I really think you would, you could get so much out of it. So once things open up, where's the first place you are going to go? <laughs> like when you say you open up, what do you mean? Like truly, really like open up? truly, like when we can travel again, where's the first, what's your first destination? Either I'm going to Sonoma to see my friend Melanie or I'm going to Champagne. But Europe is probably not going to let me in for a while. So more than likely it's going to be Sonoma. I know we're, we're all counting the <laughs> days, months, whatever, t- until we can get back to Italy, France, Spain. Yes. Oh. But we'll get there. And that's the beauty. We'll we will. We will. We will. I know. So um, so for folks who want to get involved, Julia, with what you're doing, how can they best do that? They can reach out to me. I'm on Instagram. I'm Julia Coney on all social media platforms. I'm going to make a plug. If they want to donate, you can donate to Black Wine Professionals. There's a donate button at the top right. So to do that, and I say just email, you know, if you want to email me, just email or DM me and I respond. It may take me a few minutes, a few days, but I'll I'll eventually get to you. And remember that t-shirt, you know, (laughs) we all need to thank (laughs) a black woman today. Thank you. And you don't have to carry it all on your shoulders, Julia. We all need to be brave. We all need to speak up and stand up and speak up. So um, thank you for showing us uh, how it's done and like kind of being willing to lead the charge and, and um, be, be brave, you know, the way you are, your passion, your heart energy, integrity, all of it is inspiring and infectious. And I'm super happy to have um, gotten to know you better today. Thanks so much for taking the time with us. Thank you guys for having me. I I really appreciate it. Yes, it's been so much fun. And, you know, I look forward to getting together when we can. And um, we have to do a big perfume sniffing experience as, as well. We have to do a, a, a wine pairing with that. Yes. I know all the, all the wine purists are going to be like, oh no, they're talking scents and wine. Oh my God. <laughs> but, but I do that all the time. I love pairing perfume and wine. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know you do, but you, you know what I mean? Like, like, <laughs> I know, yeah. I know. So uh, that there's one more question I wanted to ask you. So I was reading that um, you have a subversive way of wearing perfume when you taste wine in public. Yes. What is that? I spray it on my belly button. What? <laughs> yeah. Spray it on your belly button. I love it. I'm going to do that. Because it doesn't rise as much. It's there. So it's there. You're, and the, you're feeling it. The key is knowing I feel dressed, but what I learned is you walk into it. So literally you have to spray it low. Got it. Yes. And also because you're spraying it low, you're walking into it. Kind of like if you were doing your hair, you walk into it, you walk into it with your belly button. But I will say this, Mm -hmm. if it is a rollerball fragrance, don't do it. Oh, don't? Why not? Rollerball, roller oils are more, really concentrated. Yeah. Okay. So Mm -hmm. it's going to, (laughs) it's it's very different than a spray. There's enough of the alcohol in the spray to kind of disperse when you, you know, so Mm -hmm. it's getting on the skin and it's penetrating, but I found a rollerball really is like, oh, this is, I can really smell this. Good to know, but I love that tip. I'm going to do it. You guys are so funny (laughs) with your fragrance. Practical tips here on wine and perfume. (laughs) Practical tips. Yes. 
Yes. Hey, Julia, good luck on the test in August, the champagne test. And also good luck with that retreat idea. I love it. I think that's going to be a lot of fun and really, oh, just a really great way to connect people. So good, you know, good on you for thinking of it and good luck putting it together. Thank you all so much. It's been a pleasure, Julia. It's been a pleasure reconnecting virtually through this interview. And I can't wait to see you in person. Same here. Same here. All Thank right, you. Julia. Thanks again. Sip, Thank sip, you. Hooray. Cheers. Sip, sip, hooray, honey. Cheers. Bye. Well, Mary Orlin, I loved talking with Julia Coney. She was so fun and um, so knowledgeable, such a force of nature. And I love that she is bringing more people into the wine tent and working to make changes in the wine industry for black professionals for black professionals, for brown professionals, for all people of color. And, you know, she, because she has experienced it, she knows what it's like, and she wants to make the industry more open and accepting for everyone. But as she said, she can't do it alone. We all have to be brave. We have to speak up, make sure people know that some behaviors are not tolerated anymore. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. It's, it's beyond time. So I'm really, I was really happy for that conversation and I really loved getting to know her better and to hear her perspective. Um, you know, we will continue. You'll, you'll keep hearing that name, Julia Coney, because she's going to keep um, making her herself known and her work and making positive changes in this business. And I, I love that. Right. And one of the things she said during our interview is when she's in her wine shop and she asks people, where do you want to travel to? And she picks the wine according to that. I, I think that's such a great thing. And, <laughs> you know, that's the way that wine professionals can help people discover something and not feel intimidated. Mm -hmm. I love it. Well, blessed to be a blessing. She was a blessing for our show today. Sip Sip Hooray is grateful to Julia Coney. And uh, hey, if you like what you heard today, we invite you to follow us on social media. Tell your friends about us. We are Sip Sip Hooray podcast on Instagram and Facebook. Sip Sip Hooray one on Twitter. And our website is Sip Sip Hooray podcast.com. Right. And on, on our website, you can listen to this episode and see all the other great episodes we've had in case you missed them. You can also see all the different platforms we are on and we encourage you to whatever platform you listen to your podcast, please subscribe to Sip Sip Hooray so you can get all the episodes when they drop so you don't miss a thing. All right, Mary Orlin, cheers to you, girl. Cheers to you, Mary Babbitt, and sip, sip, hooray. Sip, sip, hooray. <laughs>